0: LAObserved.com blogger Kevin Roderick goes, on the record,
1: online. If you don't think the Times is really, really strong now, then you're not going to think it's going to get any stronger, because the staff is going to get smaller uh, uh, and not necessarily any better uh, or
0: more skilled. A conversation with Kevin Roderick, who spent 25 years at the Los Angeles Times as a reporter who blogs about the Los Angeles Times and the media business at laobserve.com, who is the author of Wilshire Boulevard, Grand Concourse of Los Angeles, and The San Fernando Valley, America's Suburb, two books about Los Angeles, and who serves as the editor-in-chief of the UCLA Online Newsroom. We had a chance to sit down in my office, and we spoke about the future of the Los Angeles Times, hyperlocal media, The dangers of a polarized news media landscape and how organizations like UCLA and others are coming to terms with a world where they can no longer depend on the news media to tell their stories for them. All that and more
2: after this. Twitter, Facebook, and Blogger are great places to inform conversations that matter to your constituents, but they probably aren't the best places to steward an organization's public record. Hi, I'm Chris Bechtel, Vice President of Products and Services at iPressroom, and I'm here to remind you that social networks are a great way to engage in conversations with your constituents, but there's nowhere more trusted than your own website for news and information about your brand, product, or service. If you say it on your own website, it's official. If you don't have an easy way to post content to your own site, iPressroom can help our online newsroom management service gives PR and marketing pros everything they need to inform conversations on their own branded websites. Because social media may be the appetizer, but your organization's website is really the main course. To learn more, demo iPressroom's online newsroom service and get a free 60-day trial of our new online newsroom search engine optimization wizard. Send tweets to at iPressroom or email to info at ipressroom.com. We're talking to uh, Kevin Roderick. He is
0: uh, a blogger at laobserve.com. He's also a, a former journalist from the Los Angeles Times. He was there for 25 years. Let, let me ask you this this is sort of a big
1: question. Um, how can the LA Times regain its relevance? Uh, well, that, that that is a big question. Um, I think, you know, the Times for, you know, the Times. For a long time, because of you know various reasons in the past, was trying to decide, you know, was trying to be uh, a strong national paper, uh, uh, a paper with that was you know kind of led the way in international reporting, um, was you know wanted to be thought of as the Bible of Hollywood in some ways, as well as being the voice of California. And uh, it was hard enough for the paper to try to do those things when it was, you know, uh, the fastest growing paper in the country and uh, had, you know, a circulation of approaching 1.5 million every day. But now if the circulation is more like 700,000 a day and uh, the paper's strengths are are waning rather than than growing, uh, the paper has to kind of figure out which of those pieces it's going to, be good at and which ones it's going to kind of sacrifice and um, and that's where you end up having discussions about should the paper continue to have foreign correspondents stationed all around the world. It's already They've already been cut by about half from what they were at the peak. Um, should the paper have reporters uh, in Washington and, and New York and Seattle and all around the country? Well, they don't have a Washington bureau anymore. They now share a, a bureau with the rest of the Tribune papers and it's cut almost in half. Uh, they don't have very many reporters around the country anymore. Um, they used to be uh, they used to be uh, relevant by having uh, you know hundred something reporters on the ground in the suburbs of the Los Angeles area, in the San Fernando Valley, in Orange County, and in Ventura. They probably have a total of ten in those places now, um, and that's that's you know removed you know, people in those. Areas you know really don't have much reason to get the times anymore, except for big picture stories about um, the Los Angeles region. So, you know, it, you know, in a perfect world, you would become relevant by going back into those communities. Uh, you're not going to be able to do it with reporters uh, anymore that are paid by some, you know, paid by advertising. But there may be hopes in doing that with. Um, you know, community-based uh, journalism uh, using you know social networks as a way to feed um, feed content to the paper. Um, uh, I think that's you know you know they're going to have to. The paper could go down a path where it kind of views itself as uh, the gateway to information about every little every little neighborhood in Los Angeles and Southern California. But it was going to have to do it with. You know, uh, it's going to take a a, you know a a new way of thinking about what the news is, and and I think that's going to require gathering the news from ordinary citizens who are not paid for it necessarily, um, um, and are certainly not trained as journalists.
0: You're a native Angelino, yes? Yes. Where'd you go to high school? In the valley. Okay,
1: I, I am too. I don't.
0: I don't, uh, I don't uh, profess to have your chops when it comes to the history of Los Angeles, because I know you've written a number of books about it.
1: I wrote. A, I wrote one book about the Valley and one about Wilshire Boulevard, which was kind of the history of Los Angeles. Yeah.
0: So, 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 given that you are a native Angeleno, mm-hmm. that you're a published author about the history of Los Angeles, and given that you, uh, uh, you know, were a, a journalist at the L.A. Times for twenty five years. Mm-hmm. What do you think they've got the best shot at hmm. from a beat standpoint? From, from a beat standpoint? Editorial beat standpoint. Hmm. I mean, if you had to sort of pick two out of three hmm. or hmm. five out of seven, which, hmm. which ones do you think have, have the greatest likelihood
1: of success? Well, I think um, local politics would be one. I think that's a, a huge vacuum that uh, uh, needs to be covered better. and. You know, uh, and and the things arguing against that is the Times has never done a particularly great job at that, even in its flush days. But um, I think that's an area where people would, you know, that could establish the Times as as leading on a beat. I think you would lead on. Uh, it has the potential to be a national leader on the local sports scene, the Southern California sports scene, all the teams, and they've had to pull back from. Covering uh, several of the teams, the professional teams here. Uh, so they don't cover that much anymore. Uh, I think Hollywood is one area where uh, The Times has a, a shot at being better than it is. I don't think it could ever own the beat uh, in a way that it that it uh, professes to want to. Why, why not? They used to have the hottest entertainment business beat going. Yes, they had entertainment business. It, it, it was a very strong company. Company Town, while. remember that? Yes. Uh huh. Um. um but even, even when they had that, they were being uh, beaten often by the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal. Uh, and, and Nikki so, Fink. And, and Nikki Fink sometimes, sometimes by the trades. Uh, uh, the trades are much weaker now. But uh, at the same time, then you've had the rise of online journalists such as Nicky Fink. um, um and the New York Times is still pretty strong out here, and the Wall Street Journal has, a, you know, keeps a very strong focus on, you know, the the the, pre- the reporters that are out here are under pressure to deliver uh, scoops at both of those newspapers. Uh, so I think you know the Times should always be competitive there, and probably could become uh, stronger. But to, to actually own it, that would mean you know saturation coverage uh, in a way that would swamp the other. Uh, swamp the other beats. And I don't think the Times is going to have the luxury to go that deep on any beat in the future. Uh, it's going to be a, you know, if you, if you don't think the Times is really, really strong now, then you're not going to think it's going to get any stronger because it's, the staff is going to get smaller uh, uh, and not necessarily any better uh, or more skilled. Um, uh, so I think you know those those are few where I think they they have chances um, I think you know local business uh, has at you know traditionally been a strength of the paper although it goes in cycles um, uh, and I think there's there's elements of that, that the times that the times could be uh, dominant on because you know it, one of the variables here is what's the competition going to be uh an ironic thing about the Times pulling out of these local suburbs like the Valley, San Fernando Valley, or Ventura County or Orange County is that their competition there is all but dead, and so they could own those areas now. You know, they spent they spent millions of dollars uh, competing with the Daily News in the Valley and the Orange County Register in Orange County, and didn't we're not able to declare victory in in either of those battles. Um, so, you know, with the, their new ownership, the Tribune took over from the Chandler family, and the decision was made to begin pulling back, uh, and the recent problems have led them to pull back even more. Well, now they could go in and, and invade those places and win, uh, you know, uh, without much uh, resistance, because, the you know, the, those, the local papers are now so weak. Um, but if, if people in the Valley, you know the, you know, the people who lived in the Valley... 15 years ago, at the time of the 1994 earthquake, the North River earthquake, there were 75 uh, working reporters covering the San Fernando Valley between the two newspapers. Now, um, well, let's put it this way, now there's not. You could have a big earthquake out there now, and, and there wouldn't be enough people to go out and uh, cover one community, let alone to fan out and see what happened all over the place.
0: Given that uh, there's really no way um, a news organization can compete with Wikipedia or these social powered news engines, uh, you blogged recently that um, the LA Times had let go a good uh, of a good number of their feature news writers. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, do you think that was wise? Like, if, if, if it was you and you had to cut heads, what, do you think it was wise to cut from features or would you have cut? From more
1: from news, or hmm. how would you grow? Well, one, I that? think that, by the way, I think newspapers can compete with with uh, Wikipedia and other and online uh, aggregators and borrowers and, you know, uh, uh, of news, but they could do it by taking, you know, by being more authoritative. Uh, they can't do it in volume, uh, they can't do it in speed, uh, but they can, but being better. Uh, but isn't that the difference between news and features? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I, I,
0: I. Because depends on how you're take, defining well, the I, mean, I think right. So, you got to have some shelf indeed. life there. Well,
1: you know, and when I was at the Times, you know, the the things the paper was known for were news stories that took some time to write as well. Investigations, uh, front page, uh, you know, studies of things. Uh, the kind of the kind of stories that got a lot of attention uh, were talked about for a long time, but often took months to produce. Uh, and, you know, many pages of newsprint to to publish. Um, the question, the feature question is interesting to me because I, I do think that one of the, the, you know, there's been a general trend away from writing features in newspapers and in the media generally uh, that's not celebrity-driven uh, for a long time. And I think in L.A. that's, uh, we have see that there's been a, A diminution of the sense of community in Los Angeles. Let's say you move to Los Angeles from somewhere else, um, and you want to get to know the city, and you know you you want to you know what are the neighborhoods, and you know uh, how does this neighborhood relate to another, and where do people hang out, and uh, you know um, um, who are the players? Tough questions in uh, in LA. You know, and you're not going to get that from uh, any media. Um uh, you you can you know cobble it together by reading lots by reading a lot of blogs by reading everything that's printed uh, uh, but it's not very efficient and uh, you know and it's, it's just as bad for people who've been here a long time. I mean the Times is going through an, an interesting exercise right now if you followed their effort to map the city they've they've uh, the Times announced an online effort to um, use, Uh, Google Maps and some other tools to actually try to map where the neighborhoods of Los Angeles are and then invite uh, readers to come in and, and, uh, you know, comment on it and offer their own revisions and that sort of thing. And this came about because the Times had been criticized a lot for. Getting wrong where things happened, you know, because who's to say where the Westlake District is or uh, the the big uh, fight with the Times was where the East Side is? The East Side traditionally has been considered the part of Los Angeles that's east of the Los Angeles River, east of downtown, uh, but but across the river. Gradually, uh, you know, there been in some segments of society have started to refer to areas anything east of Hollywood as the east side. Uh, Silver Lake and Echo Park have been called the east side Those people obviously don't know L.A. Well, well, yes, except that... uh, Because if it
0: ain't east of the 110
1: freeway, it ain't east L.A. Well, except that the Times started calling those areas east side. Uh, and I started flagging in LA Observed, and so did a couple of other blogs saying, you know, hey, wait a minute, uh, you, you don't, if you're from LA, if you know LA, you don't call these areas east side. And there's also, there's always been debate of where's West Los Angeles, and, you know, where's the Fairfax west LA district? is west of the 405. Well, well according to their maps, it, it stops at the 405 and is east of the 405. That's, yeah. Right, well, that's why I agree. So. They're going through this exercise, um, which to me is telling uh, in a major way that here's the Los Angeles Times. They've been here for 120 years, um, supposedly the voice of the city. You know, the the you know they're the they're the ones that define the city in many ways, the discussion, the conversation city, and they had to admit that we don't know where any of these places are, and while we're having to go through a mapping exercise. And it turns out there's a lot of problems with this mapping exercise. People are saying, you know, the, hey, wait a minute, you know, Venice High School, you know, you don't have it in Venice, you know, and and the, you know, you don't have this this way. And it's, um, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how they resolve this because it's it's not pretty at this point. You know, it's interesting. They, the, one of the real um,
0: silver linings of 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 the. Uh, LA Times going online, it's this data
1: desk. Have you paid any attention to that? And the data desk is who is the... has uh, pres- produced these maps. Okay. Yeah.
0: They're doing some very interesting data visualization mm-hmm. um uh, exercises where you can look at restaurants by health grade or you can look at schools by mm-hmm. test scores. And that's very useful. And you you, you wonder, you know, you had written about uh, the polling, the folks in the polling uh, group. At the yeah, LA the
1: editorial Times. poll was closed down. So the Times is not capable anymore of doing any political polling. And Do, use, Does the data desk replace that? No, no. The data desk is not. Well, I don't know if they're doing. Or could it? Well, um, let's put it this way, I hope not, because there's no one on that data desk with any expertise in polling. Um, polling is a you know, is a is a very uh, difficult thing to do, probably and it's very expensive. Uh, you know, T V stations will run these polls. It says, Well, you call us and just tell us what you think and we'll call that a poll. Or we'll you know, we'll have a robot call you and you just punch some buttons in and we'll call that a poll. Well, the the results of those polls aren't very good. The Times used to have a staff of of canvassers. Uh, They were very, very... uh, It's very difficult to to get a polling sample that is accurate on any kind of subdivision within the population. Let's say if you want to know how blacks feel about something, there aren't enough blacks to to make an easy sample. You have to oversample for blacks. There's there's not enough Asians or Jews anywhere in the country to do to to break them out in a poll uh, unless you do special things to to oversample those communities. And then you have to know how to do that and how to apply that. So the time, you know, that's a difficult thing to do, cost a lot of money and the Times is society well, we just don't. We just can't afford that anymore. So now they're gonna, you know, get polls from Bloomberg and these other places that are that still have the money to do them. Is the data desk stuff you've seen uh, uh, timely
0: and accurate? I think it's phenomenal what they're doing with the data desk. I'm really impressed, and and I do I do see, uh, you know, that as as being a big part of news move, moving forward. I, I know that right now with um, TweetDeck, which is a tool I use for Twitter, there's a section in there where they basically just, based on the volume, uh, call out words that are trending. Mm-hmm. And usually I can look at those words and they are they will foretell tomorrow's newspaper. <laughs> and that's really interesting. You can actually click on them and then you can see who's using them in various tweets and then you can click to the stories that they're citing.
1: So I, 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 there was a story I saw actually in... Um, well, that's not surprising, though, in, in one respect. And that is that uh, the Los Angeles Times in particular um, has a very aggressive... Uh, Stance toward breaking their news online the day before the next day's paper is supposed to be, in theory, you know, the digested version of what was online the next the, the day before. Well, I
0: think that's so, very valuable. I, I oh, want I that do.
1: digested it's version. Exactly.
0: Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I I just don't see how they can do both. Um, let's talk about diversity of opinions. We, we we you were talking about the fact that um, uh, most of the folks that are remaining at the L.A. Times today are
1: are white and male. Uh, I would, you know, I would say uh, white for sure. Uh, I don't know the exact breakdown on male, female, but uh, it's, you know, it's less diverse than it used to be, put that way.
0: And as much as the objective of journalism is is balance and objectivity, Mm -hmm. um, I think it's, you know, we all anyone who has some level of sophistication would admit that uh, we all see things through the glasses and our backgrounds and our pasts that are our upbringings. Um, and, and one of the things that's so interesting with a tool like Wikipedia and, you know, if you, if you, if you know how to use Wikipedia and you understand that um, the length of time that a story's been on Wikipedia is often a reflection of how good the quality of it is because mm-hmm. more and more people have participated and they'll actually go ahead and star as featured stories those stories that are the most credible. Mm-hmm. And, and you look at, um, you know, loaded uh, subjects like abortion or Israel or any of these hot wedge issues that, you know, get stumped on here in elections in the U.S., mm-hmm. uh, you find that, um, you know, the most diverse opinions in the world have gotten together and, and sort of come together on some sort of objective description of this subject. I mean, how can a newspaper possibly compete
1: with that? <laughs> well, they can't with that level of, you know, they're never going to have that level of, you uh Varied, variegated input. I don't think um, that's not what that's not what newspapers are, are there to offer. I think they are there to offer the distillation that comes from from uh, journalists for the most part. Although it doesn't have to be, uh, it can be. Uh, you know, it it could just be it could be experts in the field, or it could just be smart people. Or if you you know go about it in the right way, you could. Um, achieve some of that in you know I live in the Mar Vista section of Los Angeles okay as far as i know there are no blogs in Mar Vista about Mar Vista um, there's certainly no news coverage there's no media outlet that covers the you know the the granular things that happen there um but, you know, if you had 50 people uh, feeding in their observations, their, what, their experience with the police, their crime, you know, uh, what, you know, their pets being lost and that sort of thing, somewhere you could have what would be, uh, you know, um, something that would perhaps be more valuable than, than uh, the distillation that happens in a newspaper. I just think it's very difficult to do that on a large scale. Um, and I don't think the Times is is, is uh, particularly equipped to do that now. Although they've they've talked about trying to launch that in certain parts of the certain parts of the region.
0: You have an item on your blog about uh, the whole Michael Hiltzik um, scandal when he was commenting on his own blog and he was found out and they moved him to the sports section and then they brought him back. Mm-hmm. And uh, you said that uh, there was a rivalry with another fellow. And when the, when he was brought back, the other guy said it it shouldn't cost him his job
1: what he did. Um, um, I, I'll read the quote here. It no, says, I, I know the quote. And, okay. uh, you want me to set that up or not? Well, I, or do you have a question about
0: it? Yeah, my question is: I mean, sh- sh- should it cost? Sh- should if a journalist, you know, does something like that and is caught red-handed?
1: Should it cost them a job, or shouldn't? I mean, how can they be trusted? Hmm. Well, you know, I don't. I think everything is everything is you know kind of based on the on, on everything's a gray area, and including this, I don't see this as a black and white area. Um, what happened here was uh, Michael Hilzig was a, a journalist at the Times of you know very good standing. Was actually uh, was a columnist for the business section and was uh, become one of their early and best bloggers. Um, uh, he kind of understood the, you know, understood the, the, the form of blogging and was using it, um, for the most part, the right way, but he also, uh, was going out and, uh, you know, uh, uh practicing sock puppetry and commenting, uh, on his blog and others, uh, anonymously, um, uh, and, and he did get exposed by, uh, by a political rival, um, uh, you know who was kind of you know was ideologically driven to take down to take down Michael Hiltzik. Uh, so when it was discovered, the, the paper wasn't quite sure what to do with him. Uh, they they weighed several things and they decided to move him, you know, take away his column and his blog and move him to another department for a while. Um, I actually think that's I think that's uh, um, I certainly would not have fired him. Uh, uh, I didn't. I didn't think to see him commenting anonymously um, um, on other blogs, uh, anonymously and deceptively. As uh, I thought, he was some,
0: commenting on his
1: own blog. Uh, I think he was commenting on his own blog sometimes too. Yes. Um, yeah, I didn't see it as to try no to s-
0: make it look as though there's some activity there.
1: Yes. Yes. Which I think. Uh, uh, I think gaming the blogs is a widespread practice, probably uh, you know uh, carried out a lot in the business world and in the political blogging world. So, I think you know, in all things considered, uh, I'd, I didn't wouldn't have, I wouldn't have fired him either. Not sure I even would have uh, transferred.
0: him. I'm, I'm not sure. Follow up on the uh, um, on your your answer about local politics.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, Pasadena Now. Interesting little newspaper, uh, online only, and uh, of course the. Um, this is the
1: paper that got attention by for saying that it was going to hire some journalists in India. No, 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 they, they did. They, they ended up hiring. That's right. Yeah, they right.
0: did. What What he did was he put um, some ads on Craigslist, of Bangladesh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I met him, and uh, and then the, the reporters were listening to the city council meetings on the internet, mm-hmm. and uh, and filing their reports uh, online. Um, I'm, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, if you're going to stay relevant, you've got to understand the local culture. But, you know, this guy has really got the Pasadena Star on the ropes. So, oh, <laughs> he does. Uh, that's what I'm told. Yes, and I, I think Maureen Dowd actually talked about him in her column.
1: Well, she did, but uh, let's put it this way: that's the only, the the episode involving India is the only time I've ever heard anything about the Pas- about Pasadena now, um, and I think it's uh, you know, I, I, and I think that's probably the high point of their existence is the controversy over going to India for reporters. There were you know, there was no uh, no journalistic need to do it, no economic need to do it. Um, I think it was just a gimmick from a from a relatively you know from one of the minor Pasadena media outlets.
0: Um, do you think that the the uh, the weak economy represents an opportunity for media startups to potentially displace uh, entrenched media brands? Oh,
1: absolutely. I think it's it's. Uh, yeah, I mean, you see it happening, uh, and it's absolutely an opportune time for for. Uh, you know, smart thinking uh, people people with ideas uh, uh, to get into the you know to the media world if that's where they want to be. Um, I, and if, you know, I, I, as I think that's uh, uh, we've seen like, for years, we've seen examples of that happening. Some some take the high road, and some don't. And um, um, I'm optimistic that the, the organizations that take the high road. Uh, in terms of quality, in terms of ethics, um, uh, are going to win out. Last week we talked
0: to the editor-in-chief of DailyCandy.com, mm-hmm. which is a, a newsletter. I mean, it's a, it's a series of e- email newsletters, mm-hmm. and they're very niche. They're focused on lifestyle. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Do you think that sort of a model is the future, These all these sort of micro-niche New media outlets. Um, well, I don't think
1: there is the model. I don't think there is anything that qualifies as the model. Uh, I think that sounds like a you know a, a very uh, promising and effective model. Sure, breaking off niches, especially in somewhere like uh, Southern California, Los Angeles, where it's it's a very difficult uh, nut to crack to do you know to try to uh, achieve critical mass across the region, across any large culture. But at the same time, I do think that's, that is the hard part, and that's what this region needs. Um, If, for instance, the Los Angeles Times were to go away, and nothing were to replace it in terms of being a cross-cultural voice here in Los Angeles Southern California, I think that'd be horrible. Um, 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 You know, if, if all we become is uh, you know uh, a series of niches or uh, then i think that's you know then that really forces us to kind of come up with a new definition of community and understanding of you know how we're we going to communicate across um, niche lines and then you're left with it being you know then you're left with uh, talk radio or or something like that which which already kind of defines it, you know um, aggregates niches in some ways, or a business. You know, all of a sudden, you know, the Lakers could become the one the thing that unifies the the you know the region, and it's uh, everything gets filtered through. You know, the Lakers could then come up with their own. They already a, a mostly own a, a television network. Uh, they could come up with their own communication um, medium, uh, a website or blog, and, and kind of define things through the Lakers. And I I think that would be bad.
0: Uh, so. I, um, I started in public relations at Rogers and Cowan. Uh, my job was to try and get clients covered in the press. And then I started to do this podcast. And I learned more about PR by practicing journalism than I ever learned in the <laughs> trenches of PR. And it actually made me much more sensitive to uh, meeting the needs of a journalist because I wound up recording a few interviews of this program that will never be released. And it was a tragic waste of everybody's time, and I had to tell people, I'm sorry, I can't release it because it's not going to fulfill our listeners, and they'll unsubscribe. Um, Are you and, trying to
1: break the news to me that this one's not going to be uh, released?
0: Well, actually, I, I, th- I think this one will pass muster. Okay. Uh, I'll tell you where I'm going with this. So you you start as a journalist at the L.A. Times. Yeah. And, uh, and you publish a couple of books, and uh, now you have a blog. In addition to being a writer at the blog, you're also the publisher mm-hmm. because you have advertisers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a very well read blog in Los Angeles for people in the media business. Um, and you're also working as an organizational communicator for UCLA. Mm-hmm. And so so now that you've sort of gone to the other side and seen, you know, what the challenges are for an organization that wants to communicate, mm-hmm. and you know firsthand that they're not going to be able to depend on the media to tell their story for them because, quite frankly, the media is going to have their arms full with other things. I mean, they're probably going to be focused on harder news <laughs> as the crews get smaller and smaller. Um, you know, what does all this mean for organizations That still need to get the word out and still need to communicate what's going on, but can no longer depend on the news
1: media to do it. Yeah, well, I think you know, just as the you know the media are learning lessons about the you know the the future. Of course, the future is here now for the media. uh, So are institutions like UCLA, which is, like I said, is is this other hat that I wear, uh, um, um, uh, you know, day job, so to speak. Um, uh, UCLA is is. Is is trying to learn, you know, how to negotiate its way through the new media world, just like every other institution is, and the media itself are. Uh, so that means, you know, for you know, for trying to get the word out, you know, UCLA is, you know, is is uh, uh, looking into the use of social media. Uh, the chancellor of the uh, the university just uh, started a Facebook page, uh, and is you know kind of uh, you know marketing that somewhat aggressively. Um, the university has a uh, a very aggressive uh, YouTube presence. It's become one of the first, hand, you know, the first two or three academic partners with YouTube in terms of, of uh, you know, branding a channel for its video, uh, producing video uh, that, that's purposely for YouTube consumption. Um, you know, and who's to know what it, you know? What's going to end up being? You know, what's what's going to work and what's not? I think uh, I think the university, you know, as, as well as everybody else, is just trying to figure it out and you know, trying different things.
0: Kevin Roderick, blogger at LA Observed and former journalist at the Los Angeles Times. Thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me, Eric.